Hey, this is Kat Kahn from Knoxville, Tennessee. And Tanya Rice from Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are grateful you've joined us. And we cannot wait to share with you the musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learn, laugh, and enjoy. And we hope you will share with us any of your comments or questions. Without further ado, this is Two Pittas on a Pod. Well, hey there, Tanya. Hey, Kat, how are you? I'm doing good. Yeah? Are you still all aglow in your super hot office? I'm not all aglow. I'm sweating. Sweating. <laughs> sweating. Man, sweat. <laughs> dripping. So, She's dripping, baby. Oh, my gosh. And this episode's not going to air probably until, what, I guess October. And so the people will be like, oh, my God, what, is she crazy? It's not that hot. It's that hot. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sorry that you're still out AC. Yeah. Well, hopefully this afternoon, the most amazing little HVAC people are going to be here. And they'll, boy, okay. there's a need for HVAC people. Did you know that in the country? There's a need for all kinds of employees all over the nation right now. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Are they offering huge uh, sign-up bonuses even at fast food restaurants where you are? Yeah. Yeah, they are here too. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. It's crazy. My 81-year-old mother keeps getting emails asking her to come to work. <laughs> yeah, why not? Part-time if you feel up to it. Yeah, she's like, oh, heck no, I already did that. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Kat? Today we are talking about Eastern versus Western medicine. Ooh, fun. Kind of excited about that. You know, there's a lot more an interest, I believe, in Eastern medicine now. I mean, we all know what Western medicine is. You know, it's mostly where you go see your doctor or some other kind of healthcare professional and they, you know, diagnose you and they treat your disease or your symptoms or, you know, give you a clean bill of health. Um, but so many people are wanting a little bit more than that now. Something a little bit outside the box, something that maybe isn't supporting huge pharmaceuticals and isn't supporting huge HMOs and insurance companies. You know, maybe is there a way for us to find preventative care in stuff that we do more holistically? Can we take care of ourselves, you know, in a more, what we'll say, Eastern traditional medicine sort of way? And obviously, I think you and I will both come to that place where we're not talking about how it has to be one or the other, but that really we should find that happy combination of the bowl so that we find our best, our most optimum health using both means of care. Because they both have a place and, you know, you, you'll, we're going to always in this society, we're pretty much going to always need Western medicine, I believe. But it's so nice when people give Eastern medicine a go and see how they feel, see the differences that can be made. Yeah, I mean, we even if we were to, you know, on a really broad spectrum, include yoga as Eastern medicine, we can easily reference, I know people who have started their yoga practice and have been able to maybe eliminate a medicine or two in their pharmaceutical regime, because they were either able to maybe drop some pounds, lower their cholesterol, you know, improve their heart rate, maybe, you know, lower their blood pressure medication or their anxiety medicine. And so, I mean, even on that broad scale of just using yoga in general, right? right? But we know from a holistic standpoint, you and I dabble in oils. We talk about rock energy. We talk about rock therapy. You go to a massage therapist and a lot of times they're using rock therapy. So, I mean, there's 
there's a lot out there that we could begin to incorporate. And a lot of times people are like, I don't even know where to look for that stuff. So that's maybe part of the conversation that we'll have. But yeah, there's a there's a lot of options available. Well, uh, speaking of massage, I went to get my massage today and have a lovely crick in my neck. And as soon as I get there, they use um, doTERRA essential oils like uh, you and I use. And she asked me what kind of oil I wanted. And so she gave me a blend of orange and mint and had it underneath the rest. And, you know, I it, it was amazing to me because I'm starting to watch for things like that and notice my response to oils or anything else. And I immediately felt more focused and aware. And, you know, I was more energized. Even though it was a massage, I wasn't there to be energized I was just so tired when I got there because of my neck and I just my whole body felt more alive so there's little things that we can do that aren't hocus pocus or weird but you know just trying a few neat things like that that can make a difference in your day yeah absolutely so I I come at it from a standpoint of you know first of all maybe we should differentiate what we you and I might term as eastern medicine versus western medicine and like you originally you know discussed on the onset of the podcast is, you know, Western medicine is what we think of when we go to our wellness checks, we go for our annual physical or, you know, we're going for lab work to check our thyroid, check our, you know, blood sugars or, you know, the likes, like that's all stuff that we're doing in a clinic here in, you know, wherever we're living. And that's all generally part of a, you know, pharmaceutical or an insurance driven program that we're, using through our companies or, you know, wherever we're, you know, getting our insurance from. Eastern medicine is a little bit trickier to find. You maybe have to seek it out. It's not necessarily broadly advertised unless you're in a location where holistic medicine is, you know, highly acceptable. And in Minnesota, it's getting to be bigger and bigger. You're finding Reiki facilities more and more. You're finding acupuncture locations. You're finding Ayurvedic specialists around reflex Sexology specialists. I mean, the the spectrum has gotten bigger. And, you know, as we're doing comparisons, people are like, okay, well, so explain to me where can I find somebody who's going to take care of both? Well, so you think about a dietitian in the Western world is a little bit like an Ayurvedic specialist in the Eastern world. You think about a neurologist uh, working with nerves and or working with like headaches and anxiety. And we're talking about energy medicine, as in Reiki, hands-on healing of any kind. But then you also maybe compare general practice or orthopedics to reflexology or acupuncture. Like they all serve a purpose, a time and a place. And again, we're not in it to compete with each other. We're in it really to provide a greater quality of care, a care that's going to be much more long lasting. Like it's great if I go to the doctor and I get his idea of care. And then I also see a holistic specialist and I get their idea for care because now I can do things like take some supplements. Maybe I can add to my pre-op like I did before my knee surgery, upping my 
care, self-care through supplements, increasing my zinc and my silver before even entering surgery. And then post-op, not only doing my physical therapy and, you know, icing and taking, you know, the care that my physician has given me, but also incorporating my holistic medicine at home, like my skincare through my oils and using moxibustion, which I know you just, you know, brought up earlier for my scar care. So, I mean, there's a lot that can be incorporated so that your healing is improved. Maybe it's a faster healing time than was originally quoted to you by your Western physician. Maybe it's longer lasting where maybe they said this might work for you for three to six months, or maybe this will work for three to six years, but you're actually getting 10 to 12 months or 10 to 12 years out of the results because you've had this more powerful combination of therapies. I definitely agree. And it's nice to, they complement each other very nicely, but you also have to have doctors that are open to you doing a little bit of both. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I feel like it's becoming more prevalent if you are asking your Western care providers, hey, if I also incorporate this, are you, you know, are you accepting of that as a protocol? And I think you're going to be more surprised that there are physicians out there that are like, yeah, absolutely. The more that you can do at home, the less we have to do in clinics. By and large, absolutely. Well, I told you I found a site um, on the, you know, the Cleveland Clinic that they're, you know, world known for their heart program. They have a whole section there for Reiki. Reiki. Oh, I love that. Yeah, Reiki at the Cleveland Clinic. And it's a lot of it, it's self-Reiki. But I just thought, wow, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. So neat when you see things like that. But one thing I was wondering if we could do is just list some of the different types of, I mean, we all pretty much know the different kinds of Western medicine, but I thought maybe we could list them and mention what exactly they are. I mean, most people know what acupuncture is. But maybe we could kind of go over a few things. Sure. So acupuncture is when you use uh, fine needles and they're gently placed in the skin at specific points around your body. Have you had it done before? Mm-hmm. I have too. I have to say, though, when the first time I went, you know, they had needles all over me and they had them in my ears. And the guy that was doing me didn't tell me, don't move your head. And so I'm looking around. <laughs> I'm slamming the needles in, but they're so tiny. It didn't do anything, but I was like, oh my gosh. No, and he's like, you're fine. You didn't hurt anything, but it, I, I really liked it. I thought it was really neat. It is really quite a fascinating science. It's something that the more that I've gotten into my Reiki studies and the more that I've gotten into my meridian work and, you know, Tai Chi and just general knowledge of the meridians and acupuncture points, it's really impressive what we can do. And it's also kind of a little disappointing that there are physicians out there who don't know some of the, I would say, most like blatantly apparent sort of meridian lines. Because I think to myself, I have quite a few scars and some of those scars were cut right through the meridian lines. And they're the ones that have become the hardest to heal, right? Because you don't have the power of that meridian flow to help with that healing. I've had to do very distinct work on healing the scars at those points because of the damage that was done to the meridian lines. Wow. Well, do you do acupressure? 
at all. So as part of sort of the direction I've moved my Reiki training in is towards the acupressure points, both, you know, in the cranium as well as, you know, mainly down the arms and legs. I do do some acupressure points on the trunk, but generally I have to know those clients for them to feel comfortable for me to manipulate those points. Another one of the Eastern medicine um, techniques is cupping and that's where you, they take um, heated cups that create suction on your skin and I don't know if you've had it done I've had it done in massage before and I just loved it mm-hmm. cupping is fantastic work the theory behind cupping is that it's a little bit like the old-fashioned if we place leeches on you it's gonna draw you know the venom out or you know whatever the discussion was but in theory the cupping is that we draw the blood to the surface and if we draw the blood to the surface it's going to bring blood and healing it's going to bring more oxygenation to the area so that's it's like heating the body from the inside out and the the one thing that's real similar to cupping in the way it operates is moxibustion, which I know you mentioned earlier. Moxibustion is burning an herb, but it's burning an herb that is specifically so many millimeters away from the skin for that same purpose that both the smoke and the heat will draw blood to the surface to do healing. I use them on my scars, both my knee scars and my mastectomy scars for healing and um, breaking down the scar tissue and a lot of the fascia that's built up there. So do you use dried herbs? Like I know we, we both use sage. That's the only herb I'm trying to think. I think that's the only herb I've ever So bought. moxibustion is actually a herb that comes packaged for that purpose. And they come like I've gotten them in different forms. Like sometimes they look like they're rolled like a cigarette and no, they are not to be smoked. (laughs) They are to be burned and used so that they're right along the scar or the tissue that you're trying to heal. I've also seen them where they're larger, more like a stick. Um, The trick with those is they're a little bit hard to extinguish. So if you only want to use it, burn it for like a little bit of an inch, it's a little bit hard to extinguish um, because you don't want to soak it because then it would get ruined. So it's sometimes you have to just cut off the tip to reuse it again. But I have also some other ones that I just received from one of my students, which they're actually already built onto a little cone. So the cone already sets the moxibustion just the perfect dimension away from your body. And you just stick the cone on yourself, light the moxibustion, and it will burn until it's done. And then you just remove the little sticky cone and voila, it's done. Well, and that's the way I've seen it before is in the little cones that generally they're set somewhere on the torso the where the pictures I've seen because I've never had it done but so does it stop burning at a certain point I mean, it's not going to burn your skin right no it's, it's not going to burn your skin when it's on the cone it's you know a specific distance away if you're man- manually doing them you do have to be mindful so I do them with two hands so that I can make sure that I'm never going to touch the skin right but that we're close enough to create heat and it does get warm but yeah it's made of ground mugwort leaves Mm -hmm. and and you place it on or near your body's meridians and acupuncture points yep and or you can use it for specific fascial damage so you can put them like right on scars to help break down fascia it's real cool 
That's very cool. I haven't, I haven't done that. So, but now I want to. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we have? Well, just plain old herbs. More and more people are using herbs and essential oils both in all different kinds of ways. There's a natural, mm, I guess she's a naturopath that's in the building right beside my studio that you saw. And she has all kinds of herb blends. They can be in teas or powders or capsules. She makes all kinds of different things. So if I've got something going on, I'll just run in there and say, okay, I'm coughing now. And she'll give me a respiratory tea that has a big blend of different herbs. But she even has one for lactating mothers that I bought for my daughter. And my daughter swears by it. She's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, teas and tinctures are amazing. I have a company that I use out of New York that I happened upon when I first opened my yoga studio. And I love the tinctures that they use. I always have them in the house. I have a cold cocktail that we use if anybody starts getting a cold. We I use their collagen in my protein drinks. I They have a pomegranate powder that I use. And so, I mean, they have all kinds of things too, but you can find apothecaries pretty much anywhere now if you're really looking for them and or find a naturalist who's near you so that you can, you know, be purchasing teas. It's not that, you know, using teas from the store aren't great either, but they're not necessarily medicinal grade. Well, another kind of Eastern medicine practice that we do all the time is meditation. Absolutely. And what a I mean, the benefits for meditation, we, we blab about that all the time. So anyone that's listened to more than one or two of our podcasts have heard us talking about meditation. But it, it's, if you commit to a meditation practice, I truly believe it's life-changing. Life-changing. It's a mental game. So it obviously is going to play a huge part on your nervous system. And it's also going to play a huge part on your glandular system specific to like the pineal gland and, you know, the pituitary gland, because we're working through the eyes, we're working through the mind space, we're really trying to activate the glands in the brain. And in addition to that, you know, we take that down through meditation, through the yoga path, and then all the way to the Ayurvedic path. And the Ayurvedic path is, of course, a lot of the things that we've already brought up when it comes to teas and tinctures, but also when it comes to diet and wellness and knowing what things should and should not be eaten by you and your body type and not necessarily, oh, hey, I'm craving this or craving that, but really knowing what the body actually needs based on your body type. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, you and I both have done Tai Chi, right? Mm -hmm. I have only done it a few times, um, but I liked it. But I don't have a rule. We don't offer Tai Chi at my studio. Do you offer it at yours? We do not. I wish we did. I would love it if someone was trained. I mean, trained more than just one of the little weekend workshops, but someone that's really trained in the art of Tai Chi. It's wonderful for all ages, but especially for people as they get older, to have that slow-flowing movement it makes your brain it keeps your brain healthy to have that kind of movement it's just so important and it's another way to move your body which that's something that both eastern and western medicines encourage is you know moving your body exercise um, 
things like that. So if you can try Tai Chi, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe, you know, lastly, talking specifically about energy work, whether it is Reiki, whether it's meridian work, whether it's jujitsu or, you know, working with healing codes and magnets or the emotion code, whatever it is that you're working through, doing some of that energy work care is going to help you from the standpoint of, you know, working through maybe some of your counseling care, your psychology visits and the likes, because we're really working towards mental health here. And we're really working towards dealing with trauma or PTSD and really getting through to the emotional side and the emotional care. So really finding someone who you feel comfortable with that you could be visiting maybe on a regular basis, like perhaps you would a counselor, but then working through that energy work, really trying to release old habits, old beliefs, you know, old language that you're using with yourself. Because we know in medicine that if our mind, like you always tell us mind's a powerful tool, that if your mind is on board with your healing, you're more likely to heal faster and have longer lasting effects. We've talked about this before. Those people who believe they're going to be well are more likely to actually recover than those people who have the doldrums and are like, well, this is going to kill me anyways, so I might as well just lay down, right? I think so many of the different kinds of Eastern medicines really promote the mind, the mind, you know, mind-body connection so much. Uh, And I hate to ever say, I don't like to pull one out and pretend that the Western doesn't either, because we know my husband strongly believes that people that come to see him that uh, have a better mindset, they do better. And so he promotes that too. But I think it's more easily discussed maybe with the Eastern medicines. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, again, like we go back to saying that there's a time and a place for both. And I, you know, I tend to err on the side of I'm going to use my holistic medicine for myself for everyday daily care for what I would call preventative medicine. I'm obviously going to use my Western medicine for the important, you know, precancerous scans that are, you know, becoming more and more apparent and prevalent in their need. But then also, you know, like, I had a knee surgery, like that's just relative, that was necessary. And then obviously using Eastern medicine again, post-op for, you know, care and making those, you know, making the surgeon's effort last longer, ultimately making my care and my recovery easier. And, you know, I know that you brought up Cleveland Hospital using Reiki, but like if you go on to Mayo Clinic's site here in Minnesota, Mayo Clinic will always reference the importance of meditation, the importance of adding in, you know, energetic healing. And they do also incorporate incorporate Reiki. They offer yoga classes on site for their cancer patients and stuff. So they're definitely open to the idea that there is more to the story than simply just, hey, here's a pharmaceutical, take this and call me in 10 days. They had a a meditation room, a beautiful meditation room in the cancer center where I had uh, chemo and radiation. I never went in there and I had this mental block, but I wish now that I had, because, you know, there's one thing I think that we haven't really talked about yet, but 
when we add different Eastern approaches into our own healthcare regime, that gives us a little bit of power over what's going on. And I'm all about feeling like I have at least a little bit of control over what's going on in my own health. And so I think that's if, you know, for no other reason to try a few alternative type things, not in, not in place of what, but just in addition to, to see if it does make you feel better. And you know, that from the Mayo Clinic that more than 30% of American adults report using healthcare approaches not typically associated with conventional medicine. Right. And you know, it's funny that you just bring that up because that's one of the things that I always tend to reference is when I had my mastectomy, my physician and I had had those discussions about what was going to be my level of care, you know, how I was going to deal with managing my pain post-op and the likes. And I like to tell the story that when I came out of surgery, I was greeted with essential oils. And yeah. that was part of the agreement that I had with my physician and my care team for my surgery was that I was going to try pain control through meditation and pranayama and oils before I was going to be using narcotics. And it, was, it wasn't immediate, but there was definitely a combination and I was definitely able to come through post-op without using narcotics. I am not a fan of narcotics. They do awful things to my body in the form of nausea and constipation and just in general feeling worse on them narcotics than ever feeling better on them. So I think to myself, you know, even post-op, I, with my knee surgery, just this last week, I was offered narcotics and I did not take them because again, I do not like how they make me feel. I would much rather smell some beautiful oils and, you know, do some concentrated breathing until I can calm down the sensation that I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's incredible that you found a doctor in a hospital that would do that. That's pretty awesome. Do they do that or is that just for you? Uh, I think that if you bring it up to your physician, they're not going to refuse you. I, at least I would hope that they wouldn't. So I would suggest that no matter what you're doing, who, no matter what the care is or what procedure you're having done, that you ask the question. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, in addition to that, I just want to suggest some books maybe before we close up. I just love how you're over there sweating and dying. Like all of a sudden, <laughs> she, she's just, her face is just dripping. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll just sit on here after we record and we'll chat and have a glass of wine. Oh, heck no. I'm going downstairs where there's air conditioning. <laughs> she's going to jump in the pool. <laughs> she's over it. <laughs> I'm right there stuck to the chair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's put out books here real quick, just so that everybody can, you know, have have some ideas of some of the things that you and I have used in the past. Uh, you know, our infamous Yoga as Medicine book and written by Dr. Timothy McCall. I have, in addition to that, one of my favorites, which is The Path to Holistic Health by BKS Iyengar. And then lastly, a new book that I've purchased called The Eastern Body and the Western Mind by Anadoa, Anadea Judith, the same uh, person who wrote The Wheels of Life. Oh, yeah. right. I only have one to contribute, um, and it's by... The Sant Lab, the complete book of Ayurvedic home remedies. Nice. I also have Ayurveda for dummies. That's fabulous. In addition to that, I do suggest that 
anybody who's curious about this, check with your local hospital prior to any procedures that you're having. Ask the questions of your physicians about what they're willing to allow. And if maybe they're not willing to, you know, greet you with oils, that at least you talk to the people who are going to be joining you, Mm -hmm. whether they're your drivers or, you know, the people who are going to be helping take care of you when you return home, whatever the, you know, scenario is that you have them ready and waiting with oils. You know, I always laugh at how my daughter had responded to the nurse when she came in asking what my level of pain was. And I didn't immediately answer her because I was still doing some pranayama. And my daughter's like, she's breathing. And the nurse is like, well, I hope she's breathing. (laughs) And my my daughter's like, no, I mean, she's practicing yoga breathing. Oh, that's funny. That's awesome. So did you teach the staff some yoga breathing while you were there? I did not, but I did have uh, some pretty deep conversations with one of my night nurses who was like, I'm just so amazed at, you know, how you're just sitting here managing all of this with just, you know, concentration and breath. Like, well, the mind's a powerful tool. Very, very cool. Yeah. So, you know, do some of your own research, talk to your doctors about different things and see what they say and give it a whirl. Mix it up. Perfect. I'm Kat Kahn. And I'm Tanya Rice. And this is Two Pittas on a Pod signing off. Thank you for listening to Two Pittas on a Pod. We're grateful you joined us. Join us again for more musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learned, laughed, and enjoyed this podcast. And we hope you will share your comments or questions. Email us at twopittasonapod at gmail.com. And like us on Facebook and Instagram at twopittasonapod.